Good morning, good morning. How was everyone? This is a little bit different because usually I'm over there and not over here, but it is, uh, it is great to be here, um, being able to share the Word of God with you today. Um, Hope was like, do you think you might want to preach on a Sunday? And I was like, sure, why not? So this is the Sunday, uh, but it is good to see, see you all and be here with you uh, in this way. So let's, uh, let's start off with a word of prayer and we'll, we'll get into the Word. Lord, we thank you for your word, your word that is uh, life to us. Um, Let it mold us and shape us to be the people that you have called us to be, the people that you have created us to be. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Um, I have come to the conclusion um, that uh, I I watch a little bit too much TV. Uh, In this age of, of cable television, and not just cable television, but uh, digital cable television. You know, when I grew up, um, there was like, what, you know, on TV, you had your just regular channels, and then uh, you had cable. And cable only had like, what, 20 channels, right? And now what do we have? Like 6,000 channels, okay, uh, that give you 24-hour news, 24-hour weather, 24-hour music, 24-hour um, junk, uh, 24-hour infomercials. I mean, whatever you want, it's 24 hours. And so uh, I flip through the channels uh, like there's no tomorrow. It drives my wife crazy. Uh, but I watch some pretty interesting things. I say interesting and not like junk, but interesting things. One of the things I love to watch, um, and it's kind of rubbing off on, on my children, especially Anna, is I watch this show called Alaska State Troopers. Okay? <laughs> and it is exactly that. It is... Um, about state troopers in Alaska. It doesn't go any more deeper than that. I mean, that's it. Okay? Uh, and I, Anna caught me watching this uh, show one day, and she got hooked. She's like, oh, is there another one coming after this, Dad? Can, I, I don't know what it is. It's, it's something about watching state troopers in the state of Alaska deal with everyday traffic violations and criminals. Uh, that not only piqued my interest, but I guess it piqued hers also. Um, But I don't think Hope understands that interest. She's like, why are you watching this? Okay? Um, But there's also a number of shows that that I also end up watching that has nothing to do with law enforcement or the state of Alaska. Um, I love watching home rehab shows. How how many of you watch those shows? Right? Uh, I do not do any type of construction. My wife will tell you that uh, I am handy in the kitchen. I am handy maybe with the screwdriver. But home makeovers is not my thing. Okay? I'm going to try it one of these days, but it's not, uh, maybe not on our house, but maybe at yours, <laughs> all right? Uh, but homes are, uh, these, these aren't bad homes. There's homes that are in need of updating, and sometimes uh, they take them down to the studs and build them back to its original glory, or maybe even better. And the outcome is amazing. Homes that you maybe just wanted to just, you know, tear down are transformed into homes that are, are, are not only livable, but they're also functional. Um, and there are home rehab shows that bring uh, homes back to its original architectural splendor. And it's amazing and beautiful to see what those contractors and designers can do, taking something that was old and broken and making them into something new. There's something special about taking something old and damaged and bringing them back to its original glory or make it even more beautiful and glorious. In today's scripture reading, we hear about God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah. God says, The day is coming when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. 
And the covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. God wants to make something old, the covenant that was made with the nation of Israel, his chosen people, and he wants to make a new covenant with his people. And why does there need to be a new covenant? Well, what was wrong with the old one? You see, God explains it in one sentence. He says, they broke that covenant. Though I love them as a husband loves his wife. They broke that covenant. To fully understand what God's talking about, we have to go back to the book of Exodus. And when the people of Israel were enslaved by the Egyptians for over 400 years, and God chose Moses to go and tell Pharaoh, remember, let my people go. Right, the old Charlton Heston line, Pharaoh, God says, let my people go. And God showed his power to Pharaoh and the Egyptians and even to the Israelites. Through the ten plagues and the parting of the Red Sea, the destruction of Pharaoh's army, after all of that, God made a covenant with the people of Israel to obey, as they would obey, if they would obey the commandments and keep the laws, that God would bless them. That's easy, right? Just follow the laws. Just just keep the commandments, and God will bless you. They saw the power of God firsthand. Why wouldn't they want to follow and obey God and keep his commandments and laws? But as we know, they broke not only the commandments and laws, but they also broke God's heart. It says they broke the covenant, though I love them as a husband loves a wife. When Moses came down from Sinai, bringing the tablets of the law, what did he find? He found the nation, the people of Israel, sinning against God. And so the Israelites were the recipients and the beneficiaries of one of the greatest miracles of the Old Testament. And their response to God was to forget all about God's power and God's faithfulness. So we fast forward several hundred years to the 6th century BC, and we find this prophet named Jeremiah. He's serving a little nation called Judah. It's the remaining fragment of God's covenant. And, they spoke, and God spoke to Jeremiah, and he warned Judah about how they had forsaken God. And their consequences from churning from their back on God was 70 years of perse- persecution and oppression by the Babylonians. 70 years. And God's covenant and his heart was broken. His people that he loved and cared for had abandoned his law and his covenant, and there was no beauty or perfection because of sin. Just as Adam and Eve had lost Eden because of sin, so had Judah lost the covenant with the God who saved them from slavery and death and who God who gave them the possibility of a new hope and a new life. But for God, the 70 years of captivity and exile of Judah and Israel wasn't the end of the story. God still had hope for his people, not the people that God made the old covenant with, but with their children. Through the time of the exile, Jeremiah speaks God's words of hope and a new covenant, not one bound by law, but one bound by God's love and his heart being written on our hearts of those who believe. He writes, this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days. I will put my instructions within them and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. 
Even though the old covenant was broken in a million pieces, God still knew that the foundation of their lives was still intact. You see, the old covenant was based on laws and rules and commandments. You follow the laws, you follow God's commandments, and you will get blessed. The people knew that, uh, that there was a God, the God that saved them because of the miracles and, and, and God's deeds, but they didn't know God. They understood that there was a powerful God that was guiding them and wanted to save them and wanted to have a relationship with them. But all they knew was God with their minds and not with their hearts. They, wanted, they, they understood in their mind that they needed to follow God's laws, but their hearts were still focused upon themselves and their own wants and desires and not on God's wants and God's desires. Understanding with your mind and following with your heart are two totally different things. And God wants us not only to understand him with our mind, but he wants us to understand him and know him with our hearts. Proverbs chapter 3 and 5, one of my favorite verses, says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding." Trust in God with your heart and lean not and don't let your understanding, your mind, sway that trust in God. Don't second-guess God with your mind. When when Jesus was confronted in Matthew chapter 22 and questioned by the religious leaders of the day, they asked Jesus, Teacher, which is the most important commandment of the law of Moses? And they were looking for an answer based on their own understanding of God's law, that you needed to follow God's law. And again, following God only with their mind. And Jesus replies with the Shema. With this one phrase, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your mind. All three, your heart your soul, and your mind. It's not just an understanding of God with your mind, but an understanding and following of God with your heart. Jesus' response to the religious leaders is a rebuke and a reminder to them and to us that God's law is not to be followed with one's mind or an understanding of the law, but you need to understand God with the heart, the heart of the Creator, the heart of the law to fulfill His desire. And when sin enters into the picture, which it always does, your heart becomes hardened and you become unable to comprehend the vision of the Creator. Many of you don't know this, but I, I love art. I do. I love going to museums all around the place. I look, love looking at pieces of art. I'll stand in front of there and just, and just kind of immerse myself into the painting or the piece of art. And I'm, I'm just flabbergasted and amazed how these artists create such wonderful and beautiful masterpieces. And I had a chance to go to Florence, Italy a number of years ago and visited the Uffizi Gallery and see these wonderful works of art from the Italian Renaissance artists. Paintings from Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo were on display, as well as pieces from Raphael. And one of Raphael's most famous pieces was just restored a few years ago, the Madonna del Cardinillo, right there. And that's how it looked. When you went to go see it, that's how it looked. It's called the Madonna of the Card- uh, de Carl del Cardinello, or, or translated the Madonna of the Gold Goldfinch. You see the Goldfinch right there, right? And it was painted by Raphael in 1505, and the, it was uh, painted uh, for the wedding in celebration of a friend, 
a wealthy Florence merchant who portrayed Jesus Christ's mother, Mary, and two children who are playing with a bird. And the children symbolizes Jesus and his cousin, John the Baptist, playing with each other. And the goldfinch uh, that feeds among the thorns is interpreted as representing Christ's future suffering. It's a beautiful piece of art. But something happened to this painting. Just 40 years after it was created, there was an earthquake in the house that it was being uh, displayed, and the painting fell to the floor, and it shattered into 17 pieces. And the wood was all smashed up into bits, so another artist took long nails, as you can see, the long nails, and tried to patch the pieces together. Sounds like a home improvement thing, doesn't it? And then... Other artists tried to paint over it to conceal the breaks and to make it whole again. But over the years, there were so many layers of paint added and so much dust and grime over the painting from its original colors. The original art was completely obscured from what Raphael had created. It wasn't the same as it was before. So the Contemporary Restoration Project fixed the shattered areas and removed layers of paint and dirt to get the colors back. It took 50 people 10 years 10 years to get it back to its original state, and it's absolutely stunning. The cracks are gone. The centuries of brown film are stripped away, and the finished product glows from all the deep color, the reds, the blues, the golds, and the original work of art. And given how badly it was damaged, the restoration of Raphael's painting is arguably even more amazing than the painting itself. The original was splendid, but The miracle of restoration compounds the beauty even after the painting's brokenness. The ability to be restored to its original beauty is utterly amazing. You see, God wants that for us. He wants us, his masterpieces, to be restored to our original relationship with him. Not knowing him through his laws and not knowing him just because we read the Bible and it says, you must do this, you must do that but to know God with our hearts and to serve him with our heart. And we all, and there will come a day that we will all know him. He says, and, there will not, uh, there will, and they will not need to teach each other neighbors, their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord. For everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. For this to happen, Jesus, uh, God sent Jesus, his only son, to come and strip away the years of grime and dust, the bad patch jobs, and be restored to our original beauty as his creations, his children. And you see, that's what sin does to us. It begins to crack. It begins what maybe some of us are just broken. Maybe we're just in a, in, not in 17 pieces, but a million pieces. And we've done our best job to patch those things up, self-help books, maybe leaning on a friend or a relative, or maybe just quietly putting our shame aside. But over the years, over and over again, we go further away from the way our original creator had us. We're so far away from where our beauty was when we were created. And God says he promises that there will come a day that we won't have to tell people to know the Lord, that we won't have to be ashamed, that we won't have to run scared. But the thing is this, is that it's an ongoing restoration project. 
It's a project that we will not see the end until Jesus comes back again. And what we need is to understand is that sin has done its damage in our lives, some worse than others. Whether it's broken relationship, broken hearts, or broken lives, it will take time for healing and forgiveness and for even some, even some foundation work. It will take a team of brothers and sisters in Christ as a church to come and help this process to occur, to occur and continue the good work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the result is exactly the same for us all. God's promise of hope that he writes in our hearts. God's promise of hope for forgiveness, for a new life in his son Jesus Christ, for that we will be restored back into God's masterpieces and the promise that he will be our God and we will be his people. God says to Israel, there will come a day. But to us today, God says that day is today. Let's pray together. Lord God, we know that there are so many times when we are hurt and battered and and cracked. And Lord, we just need to be repaired. We just need to have our lives repaired. And so we come to you and we pray that through your son, you will show us those ways that you will heal the brokenhearted, that you will heal those cracks, heal those cracks in our lives and restore us back to where you want us to be. And as that process is going, may we be able to show that love, show that love that you give us to others. Let it happen today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.